like to uh, share with you this morning uh, from the book of Acts in the second chapter. This day is often called the birthday of the church because it's on this day the Holy Spirit was given. Remember that from the video where it says it's the birthday of the church. And many of us will be giving uh, birthday gifts uh, to First Church in the days ahead um, as a way of honoring the particular witness uh, for Christ in our own community. In this story, uh, listen for the things that you saw on the video. Tongues of fire sitting on the heads of Mary and the apostles. The great wind that blows among them. Um, their ability to speak in tongues, which was a great surprise that anybody who knew them would realize that they could speak in these languages which they thought they were ignorant of. Uh, the way in which the Holy Spirit encourages and empowers and directs us. From the book of Acts then in chapter two. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together, the followers of Jesus, in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a mighty wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue of fire rested on the head of each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. Many of them had come um, for the festival of Shavuot, the giving of the law, 50 days after the Passover. So there were Jews from every nation, and at this sound, the crowd gathered, and they were bewildered because each one of them heard the disciples speaking in their own native language. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans, which was a backwater province, they probably didn't expect them to be able to speak all these foreign languages, are not all these Galileans? And how is it that we hear? each of us, our own native language. Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's mighty deeds of power. And all of us are amazed and perplexed, saying, what does this mean? But others sneered and said they are filled with new wine. Let me pause there for a minute. So these people all here from all these different places, wouldn't you like to go on a trip someday and visit all of these places that are named all these strange names, many of which we're not familiar with? It'd be a great trip, wouldn't it? And so all these foreigners hear in their own language this news that Peter is about to share with them. 
Other people sneer and say, well, you know, it's, they're drunk on new wine. But that doesn't make sense because they're speaking in real languages. So what's happening here is the gift of the Holy Spirit is giving to the apostles a power that's beyond themselves to do something that God has entrusted into their care, which is to tell the good news of Jesus. Now that Jesus is dead and buried and risen again and ascended into heaven, the people who are left are the apostles, the followers of Jesus, and they're going to have to carry on his work. And so this passage demonstrates to us the opening up of God's message of love that's being poured out into all the world, which not just for Jews, uh, but for everybody, for Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, Rome, Cretans and Arabs, people in Fairfield and in Shelton and in Bridgeport and in Westport and in Trumbull. The Holy Spirit is given to all of us with this new power. So here we go with Peter. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. People of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No. This is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Joel proclaimed, In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young shall see visions and the old will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. And the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the days of the coming of Lord the Lord's great and glorious day, the coming of the day of the Lord until everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, that they shall be saved. This birthday of the church, when the gift of the Holy Spirit marks the universal nature of our entire life and ministry. From the very beginning, the church is established by God to be a multicultural, multilingual, multiracial body. Not for a separate group, but to be as diverse as creation itself, because all of creation and all people are equally beloved of God, and that the power will be given to the young and to the old alike, and tell everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord that they shall be saved. There's no ins and no outs, those who are excluded and those who are included. The church is to be a representation of the body of Christ, 
and to be a representation of the family, the human family of the world. The church doesn't exist uh, to serve itself. The church exists to be a sign to the nations of the universal love of God for all people. So from the beginning, this has been our destiny. There's another book which is very important, and I put it down, and now I'm, there it is. Oh, you should see my office. It is so messy. <laughs> okay, here it is. Stamped from the beginning. It's written by Ibram Kendi. It's a definitive history of the racist ideas in America. Just as the church from its very beginning was intended to be multiracial, multicultural, multilingual, America has a very different beginning point, completely opposite that. Chattel slavery and the sin of white supremacy are the original sins of America. And this past week has only served to confirm once again the deep racist history that lies at the heart of our nation. This has been a terrible week. 100,000 deaths and all the suffering that is attendant to that and all the families who grieve and all those who have suffered the terrible illnesses and the 40 million people who are now unemployed and are deeply suffering and not being sure when it will end and what the final count will be and when can we go back to quote unquote normal. And then the murder on Memorial Day evening of George Floyd is a white police officer for eight hours and eight minutes and 46 seconds, kneels upon the neck of a man who's handcuffed, George Floyd, until he dies. In full view of a video camera, which demonstrates to my mind a sense of impunity on behalf of this particular officer that I can do this and you can't stop me, which is symptomatic of the deep nature, the pervasive and pernicious nature of white supremacy in America. Lots of folks don't like it when I talk about white supremacy, but that's what it is. It's the idea that white people are better than and entitled to privileges and rights which are excluded from black people. That's what lies at the heart of the matter. The death of Ahmad Aubrey weeks ago, shot while being black while jogging. Brianna Taylor, shot in her own home by police officers looking for a man who didn't even live in the building where she resided. The egregious and unremitting history of violent deaths of black people suffered at the hands of white police officers that are recounted and taped and known which are symptomatic of the deeper problem of the systemic and endemic and thoroughgoing system of white supremacy 
that fills and touches um, all of America and even our own human hearts. It's almost as though the coronavirus has been the luminol that has allowed us to see the truth. Luminol is this liquid that police use at a crime scene to detect where blood was but has been cleaned up. And when you spread the luminol around um, and you turn out the lights, it glows. You can see where the blood was. And, and shutting out the lights in this coronavirus and turning off the lights so the luminol can be seen, it looks like a bloodbath, doesn't it? The incredible disparity in equities in the healthcare system, the economic and social justice system, the judicial system, the law enforcement, housing, education, has been all laid bare in the aftermath of ongoing reality of the coronavirus. The luminol of the coronavirus has shown us, again, who we really are. A lot of us talk about wanting to get back to normal. I think it's probably true to say that African Americans, Blacks in America, do not want to return to normal. They want a new America. I want a new America. You, in your hat of hats, want a new and different America. We've been at this place so many times thinking, well, this is the time it will change. And we begin to think that again today. But we also know that if it's going to change, it will only change if we strike at the heart of the problem, which is not a social program here or a new law there, but strikes at the heart of the problem, which is the idea, which is thoroughly inbred in our hearts and minds of white supremacy. Roxane Gay, in her uh, column in today's uh, paper, notes how with the coronavirus, a, a system of treatment, medicines that will treat the COVID-19 will be developed. And a vaccine for the coronavirus will eventually be developed. But there is no vaccine for white supremacy. There is no magic bullet for white supremacy. The only thing that will change the system is those who benefit from and realize their own complicity in the system of white supremacy that besets us and is pulling us apart and indeed threatens to destroy our nation. You and I are called to be those who will stand and be counted, who will stand and who will act, who will not give up. It's not possible, it's not permissible for us to say it's too depressing, I can't stand to look at it, I can't have to turn away from the violence, it causes me to weep. No, we must weep, we must lament, we must be honest with ourselves and with our brothers and sisters, and we must listen to our brothers and sisters who are black and learn from them about what needs to be done and then to do it. Yesterday, Pastor Sutton 
Reverend Rose and myself, along with the chief of the Fairfield Police Department, Christopher Liddy, issued a joint statement condemning uh, the death of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd. And I'm very grateful to uh, Chief Liddy for welcoming and wanting to participate in promulgating that statement. And on Thursday evening at 7.30, if you would like, we will gather on the lawn at First Church in front of the double doors, practicing social distancing. The governor now says for religious observances, 150 people can gather outside if they practice social distancing. So if you'd like to come and practice social distancing and light your candle and stand in solidarity, come Thursday evening at 7.30, Pastor Sutton and Reverend Rose and myself, Chief Liddy and others will participate in remembering and committing ourselves to a new future. And then on Friday night at 7.30 at First Baptist, we will do the same again. In each community, we will meet and gather, sing and pray, practice social distancing, be responsible, but stand for and with each other in our devotion and dedication to this cause. This afternoon at six o'clock, if you haven't already done, use the link that's in your bulletin for the webinar, The Cross and the Lynching Tree, featuring the preaching of Otis Moss III and a roundtable discussion, a requiem for Ahmad Arbery. Brothers and sisters, we are joined as two houses in one home with our brothers and sisters at First Baptist Church. This has been a week in which we've been in deep communication with Pastor Sutton and other leaders of First Baptist. And I want to share with you a letter uh, that was written by Vanessa Rose and comes from the both of us to Pastor Sutton and to the people of First Baptist who are worshiping at exactly the same hour today Pentecost was to have been the Sunday when we would go to worship with them at First Baptist. Because of COVID-19, we cannot. But here is the words of Vanessa Rose being read aloud from the pulpit of First Baptist right now. On Pentecost 2020, to our friend and brother, Pastor William B. Sutton III, to the deacons and all of our beloved uh, brothers and sisters in Christ at First Baptist. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Today we have submitted a statement from the pastors of these two houses, one home, along with the Chief of Police of Fairfield, Christopher Liddy, denouncing the horrific murder of Mr. George Floyd. The statement did not go far enough, however, to express to you all, our friends and siblings, the depth of our compassion for you all in these days following the deaths of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and George Floyd, when the truth of the racism in our country has once again been recorded and unveiled. Although these events happened in other communities, we know that the pain is not felt any less here in Fairfield and in Stratford. 
While we know that our voices are not enough, we still feel compelled to say that these acts of racial violence are evil, that racism is the original sin of our country, and that its legacy is the true pandemic of our day. We want to convey the magnitude of our regret for the continued legacy of white supremacy and its deadly effects. We mourn each sacred life that has been lost to white supremacy and hold these families in prayer, asking that God will bring the comfort that only he can. We also know that it is our call as people of God to work to uproot racism and white supremacy from every heart and mind and structure, to restructure every system where it still perpetuates violence and we recommit ourselves today to working with you, to work with all of you for the justice and for its fruit, which is peace, which God envisions for all of us. And so we are at this very hour on Sunday morning, as you hear this, holding you all in our prayers as we worship. As your friends, we sit with you, witnessing to the many emotions this brings up for all of us, but most particularly for you. And we will not look away from the pain, but we will allow it to transform us and empower us to make lasting change. We are united with you spiritually as we worship God this morning, and we long for the day when we will be face to face with you all, praising God together in our one home. We remain your brothers and sisters, united in the struggle for justice and peace. The Reverend David Spollett, and Vanessa Rose, and the disciples of First Church Fairfield. This is a turning point for us, for our congregation, for ourselves as individuals, and pray God for the nation. Pastor Sutton and I have agreed from the very beginning of our relationship that if racism is to be overcome and white supremacy is to end, it will have to begin with the church. We cannot look to others. No one is coming to save us. We must save ourselves. And who better than those who follow Jesus, the members of the body of Christ, the church, which from the beginning, in God's holy dream, was to be a multiracial, multicultural, multilingual people united in the love of God. If not now, when? If not us, who? Let us embrace this as our moment to fulfill God's dream. All God's children, beloved, all God's people's rights, respected, society built on the foundation of justice, yielding in our daily lives and in the life of our communities, that peace, a new peace, not the old order, 
but a new peace, truly built, not by force and violence, but a new peace built by justice. Amen. <laughs>